So hey, everybody, welcome to ARE Live. I'm Mark Tier, the founder of Black Spectacles. And uh, during our webinar today, we're going to be hosting a panel discussion uh, to talk about the ARE testing order, as well as uh, some strategic ideas. We'll talk with uh, two licensed architects who are going to share their strategies behind the order in which they took the exams and how to best prepare. So it should be a really good um, discussion um, and really kind of relevant to that um, early stage of thinking about, um, you know, taking and passing the exams. A few updates for you. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, Black Spectacles is the first ever NCARB approved test prep provider for all six of the ARE divisions. We offer comprehensive test prep for the ARE with video lectures, practice exams, flashcards, and virtual workshops. And it's all available online with memberships, either for individual architects or firms or AI chapters or schools. So if you want to learn more, you can go to head, you can go to blackspectacles.com uh, to learn more about the uh, study materials. And we just shared a link in the chat. One thing of note, we recently launched our ARE guarantee, which says we're so confident that if you use our expert membership to the fullest, which gives you access to all the tools that we have, um, that you're going to pass the ARE. And if you don't, we're putting our money where our mouth is and paying for you uh, to retake the exam. So to learn more about how to qualify for the guarantee or to check out our individual memberships and to see what kinds of materials we offer, again, you can go to blackspectacles.com uh, to learn more. Um, and again, we just shared a specific link in the chat box as well. Um, as I mentioned, we have group memberships. So to learn more about how you can get your whole firm on a membership, uh, and as I like to say, have your boss pay for your access um, you can go to blackspectacles.com and uh, head to the pricing section where you can find more information about firms. Our next session uh, for ARE Live will be on July 22nd of 2021. We'll review some of the most important concepts of the programming and analysis exam um, and share some extra practice exam questions as we review a mock exam with Mr. Mike Newman. Um, so that's going to be a really good uh, session. So if that's a um, uh, exam that's coming up soon. Certainly uh, recommend registering for that uh, here pretty quickly. Um, today we're going to be engaging exclusively on our online ARE community. So head over to that thread if you haven't already. The URL is community.blackspectacles.com. And let me see, I'm going to navigate myself over there right now. So as you scroll down, you'll see there's a little uh, big button there that says ARE Live and pinned right to the top. Uh, in the topics is today's episode. If you click in there, that's where we'll be receiving and answering questions. One of our colleagues, uh, Darian Ziegler, is uh, is going to be there with a couple of my other colleagues answering your questions. Um, what's kind of fun is everyone who posts in this thread on our ARE community today will be eligible to win a free Black Spectacles t-shirt. Um, so just go to this uh, thread. All you have to do is just say hi. Um, on this uh, on this thread here, and you'll be entered in uh, to win a free T-shirt. And of course, we'll announce that at the end of the session. So please stick around to the end. The other thing we'll do is we will share a special discount uh, on our Black Spectacles expert memberships um, at the end of the episode. So stick around uh, for that coupon code at the end of the show. So let's get to business here. So our guests today, I'm very happy to welcome two very talented licensed architects, recently licensed architects. So they have really fresh knowledge about the whole process. Uh, Kat Hurd is an accomplished architect based in Seattle, Washington, who has been in the industry since 2013. Um, she completed her, her AREs um, and became licensed in 2018. And uh, she's worked with us here at Black Spectacles in a variety of roles, 
uh, since uh, November of 2019 and has also been a member uh, of NCARB's licensing advisory board since uh, 2018. So welcome, Kat. Uh, let's see here. And my second uh, guest is Jordan Reed. Jordan graduated with her Bachelor of Arts in Architecture from Miami University in 2013 and got her Master's of Architecture in 2017. Uh, she began her ARE journey in uh, 2018 and completed it just a few, uh, uh, well, about a year later, uh, where she became a registered architect in Ohio. And uh, also she's been working with us here at Black Spectacles uh, since uh, August of last year. So uh, welcome, Jordan. Uh, Kat and Jordan, can you guys both uh, hear me all right? Yep, sounding great. Thanks for that introduction. Yeah, so let's uh, let's jump in here. So let's take a look at this uh, first question we have uh, on our screen here. Um, so Kat, maybe I will start with you. Uh, when you talk about, or when you think about sort of your strategy in deciding on a testing order, um, now that you've done it and you've gotten through the whole process, what would be your recommendation for the right order? Definitely. So when I started testing, I decided to start with what I deemed for me personally, based on my experience, would be the most difficult exam, which, again, for me was PPD and PDD. Um, once I finished testing, I realized that I think the exams are in an order for a reason. <laughs> um, yeah. If I could go back and change the way that I tested, I would definitely start with practice and project management. Um, and then I would probably move through in the order that NCARB lists the exam in, or the exams in with one caveat. Um, I typically break down the exams into practice-based and design-based exams, the practice-based being practice and project management, and then also construction and evaluation since it deals a lot with contracts. Um, so I would put, I would probably take those three first, and then I would move on to the design-based exams, the PA, PPD, and PDD. I think if I had tested in that order instead of starting with PPD and PDD, which are really kind of the two big mammoth exams, by the time that I would have gotten to those exams at the end of my studies, I would have already had a lot of the base knowledge required um, just from studying for the other exams. Um, and I think that that would have really kind of helped me keep a reasonable study schedule throughout all of the exams instead of front loading um, for, you know, these big exams at the beginning. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Jordan, how about you? Uh, what has your... Uh, what would be your advice or what has been your experience in a good order to take them in? Yeah, so I, I took my test in the in-carb order. Um, I was kind of a play it by the book person. Um, but I would yeah. recommend, again, like Kat, based on your experience, um, which ones to take first. So if I were to, you know, do it over again, I had a little bit more design experience than I did um, practice experience. So I would have taken um, PA, PPD, and PDD first and then went back to the contract-based exams, so PCM, PJM, and CE second. Um, not that the order that NCARB, you know, puts them in was diff more difficult for me, but um, having CE kind of at the end after the design-based exams, I kind of had to restudy a lot of contract stuff because I had taken PCM and PJM first. Got it. So uh, that's an interesting thought, you know, sort of based on your personal experience. So maybe focusing on taking the exams that you might have the most experience with first uh, to kind of get those under your belt 
and then uh, going from there. Am I, am I following that right, Jordan? Yes, that's correct. And that's kind of what helped me um, decide my order that I did take them in. I had the least experience on construction evaluation. So because NCARB had listed that last, I decided to take them in the NCARB recommended order. Okay, makes sense. Uh, well, if moving on to maybe our question, our second question here, Jordan, um, when you think about exam grouping, are there any um, useful groups to think about? In other words, take this exam first and then this one. So take take those two together. Um, are there any groups that you tripped on that uh, you got a lot of benefit out of? Yes, for sure. I definitely think um, taking PA, PPD, and PDD together and in that order, it kind of works through how a project would go with SD and DD and CD. So it kind of makes sense and there's a ton of overlap in content. So as you're studying for the bigger tests, um, you are kind of building on your knowledge base by taking PA first and then PPD second. And then for the same for um, PJM, PCM, or PCM, PJM, and CE in that order because they also build on each other. You're learning how to run a practice and then how to run a job and then how mm. to kind of close out a job. Nice. Okay. Yeah, great. I, I, I thought that was a really interesting um, thing that NCARB did where they tried to align uh, these three exams, PA, PPD, and PDD, with the common design process that we're all sort of used to. Um, I kind of wish they would have just used those acronyms instead of uh, all these other ones, but um, interesting approach. Kat, uh, what about you? Uh, did you? What did you learn about exam grouping here? Yeah, you know, I think Jordan um, really highlighted it well that, you know, the exams kind of line up with the phases of construction, kind of the way that and design yeah. the way that she explained them. Um, I will say the best advice that I ever got when I was testing was to do what I call leapfrogging my exams. Um, and this is where you're gonna work within one of those two groups, the PAPPD, PDD, or PCM, PJM, and CE. Um, and you will, you, you don't study for two exams at once. I would say, at least for me, there was enough information that that would have been a little too overwhelming. Um, so what I did is I signed up for two exams at once, about six weeks apart, and I started studying for, you know, let's say PCM, and then I would study for those six weeks, take the exam, and then pass or fail, I moved on to PJM because because the exams overlap so much content area, by studying yep. and testing for one, you're really building your foundation of knowledge for another, um, and that I failed three out of my six exams when I was testing. It happens, it's okay. Uh, yep. But because I was doing this leapfrogging method, it helped keep my momentum up. Um, and again, the exam grouping itself really helped inform studying for the next exam. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, this is a similar approach that I use when I took the exams um, as well. And you're totally right. It's not only, you know, that momentum uh, just to put that in like practical terms, you know, part of the momentum there is, you know, I really benefited from getting in a rhythm uh, of what I would do in, uh, during the course of a week, you know, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I knew I was going to the library to study and, you know, Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning or Sunday morning, like, you know, I just sort of had like a pattern that I just sort of started to follow. And boy, totally. it's nice. Once you get that momentum going where you sort of like build that kind of pattern for yourself or that structure um, when you're going to study, when you're not, you know, when you're not going to study, 
it's so nice just to keep kind of keep that moving as opposed to stopping it and then sort of it's so hard to start it up again and so on and so forth. Um, Absolutely. And for me, having failed my first exam because I had the second one already scheduled, you know, I, I yep. took a week to grieve <laughs> yep. to come yep. to terms with it. But then it was you got to get right back into it, um, which, again, you know, it keeps up that momentum. You stay in your routine. And that was really beneficial. Yeah, you're right. So many people get stopped right where they, you know, they fail an exam and boom, like they just really get derailed by that. Um, so as I like to say, from a lot of experience uh, talking to lots of architects, pretty much everybody fails at least one exam. So it's super normal. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people, that's that's a roadblock. They're really just worried about that. But if you can kind of get over that. Um, and I did the same thing. I bought my exams in advance. Um, like you said, in groups. Um, in fact, I think I bought all of my, I, when I took it, it was the 3.1 version. So there were nine exams. Oh and my gosh. I bought, all, I bought all of them in advance and you know, spaced them out. So I was committed, you know, like uh, burn the ships. There's no going back. Uh, I don't really <laughs> think there was a whole lot of refunding going on if you didn't show up for your test. So I sort of like, you know, uh, and it was just helpful and helpful because it kept me focused and so forth, which sounds like it was uh, for you, Kat as well. Definitely. Okay. So let's move on to question number three here. Um, Kat, uh, we'll stay with you. Um, talk about how far apart you scheduled each of your tests and why. You touched on that a little bit, but maybe share a little bit more there. Yeah. Um, like I said, I found for me personally, scheduling my tests out four to six weeks from when I was going to start studying was about the right amount of time for myself. Um, again, it depended on the exam I was taking. Um, Kind of like Jordan said, I didn't have as much CE experience as I did um, for something like programming and analysis. So I gave myself six weeks to study for that one. Um, but I, I have found that I think six weeks is going to be the sweet spot for a lot of folks. Um, I know a lot of us have spent time on the NCARB forum or any other forum that says, you know, well, I studied for six months and I still didn't pass. I think there's a reason why we don't want to be studying six months yep. for a single exam. And yep. that's because, you know, what do you learn on day six versus day 81? I think that's a little too much time. Um, but that four to six weeks, it was the sweet spot where I could get through all the Black Spectacles videos. I could do the practice exams. I could read some of the reference books. Um, but it it wasn't far enough in the future that I felt like I could just push it off and say, oh, I'm not going to study this weekend. I'll get it next weekend. Um, mm -hmm. And it also having a shorter study time than something like six months, um, it keeps the overall testing process manageable because you're not going to be spending five years studying for these exams. It's going to be closer to a year if you keep up that four to six week study time. That's awesome. Thank you, Kat. Jordan, what about yourself? How did you uh, manage sort of spacing out the uh, the exams so forth? Yeah, so I took, um, I did one a month. So that gives you about four weeks or so, um, as, as Kat suggested. And I did um, on the PDD and PPD schedule those a little bit closer, just because um, as a lot of people in the community have said, they have a ton of overlap. So I was already, I already felt like I was studying for PDD when I was doing PPD. But I think one a month was um, a good kind of pace. Again, uh, agree with what Kat said. If you spread it out over too long of time, I feel like you forget what you learned on day one and you're really right. 
kind of dragging the whole um, testing experience out. And then also um, by doing one a month, you know, if you do end up having not passed a test, you have to wait six weeks, but you can still have uh, an interim test within those six weeks to take. So I found that, you know, when I, I failed one of my tests, I could still take the next one kind of in my list that I had already scheduled and I wasn't waiting to, you know, take a test that I had failed. That's awesome. And uh, maybe to add on to, or maybe to introduce two more, even more aggressive approaches. My story uh, in, in getting licensed, I ran into an old friend of mine who, um, he had gotten licensed um, right out of school, it seemed. This was probably back in 2004, 2003. And, um, and uh, I said, wow, how did, you, how did you get licensed so fast? Again, this is when there were nine exams. And um, he's like, well, I just, um, you know, I took one exam every two weeks. And I was like, what? I'm like, that's crazy. He's like, no, it's not. He's like, if you think about it, like, you know, whether you give yourself six months or six weeks or whatever, you're, you're, you're only going to really study for two weeks. Um, and, um, and, and I don't know, the more I thought about it, I'm like, oh, that's kind of an interesting approach. Let me give it a shot. And I ended up, that's, that was the approach I took. I took one every two weeks. Um, there were a couple of exams that, uh, the two structures exams from back then that were pretty intimidating to me. So I took an, a, like a third, three weeks, um, to take those two exams, but it really worked. And, you know, it really moved me through everything really fast. Um, and then to sort of get even more aggressive, what Mike Newman uh, has said many, many times is then, by the way, I'm not a good test taker by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm pretty average. So it's not like I'm a, a, a great test taker, um, but it did work. I ended up failing one of mine. Um, so it gave me, it helped, helped me get on a good pace. But Mike Newman always says, you know, uh, when he's talking in one of his workshops, if, uh, you know, he's like, if all of you uh, people here, you know, um, if you, uh, if you were MBA students, you would know just based on the laws of probability, he's like, some of you would, would just take the tests even without studying them. And yeah, it costs you some money, but, um, just based on the laws of probability, you'd probably pass some of the exams, which would mean you wouldn't have to study for them. And just the process of going through taking the tests is really great preparation for those exams. Um, so I always like to share that uh, that thought as a way to you know remind everybody it's just a test. Um, and uh, sometimes even taking those tests. I mean, many times uh, you hear people talk about um, uh, you know once you know they almost sort of need to take the test in order to you know kind of start to feel comfortable with it. Cat or Jordan, did you guys have any any experience like that where? almost by taking it, you started to kind of get more comfortable with the exam? Absolutely. Um, I think that you kind of touch on a really good point here where a failed exam is nothing more than a really expensive study guide. Um, <laughs> I failed my first two exams that I took, but by the time I had gotten through both of them, I realized I had already seen one third of all the exams I was gonna need to take. And that's really when I realized this is not, you know, far out there, incredibly difficult information for me to amass. It's stuff that we touched on in school that I just needed to brush up on. Um, so that definitely gave me a lot of confidence just having seen the actual exam itself when I mm -hmm. went back in and retook those exams. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree, especially after um, having failed my exam. The retake felt so much easier because yeah. I had already done it once. I knew yep. what to expect. 
you know, of course I was a little bit nervous because I had already failed it previously, but I felt more confident, especially in that exam, because I had seen it before, you know, just a different mix of questions. Yeah. I was talking to a good friend of mine uh, last week <clears throat> um, who waited uh, pretty late in his career to to pursue licensure. And I think maybe a PPD or one of the big ones, PPD or PDD, he had failed um, and um, he had scheduled the second one and he, you know, you know, he's pretty high up in his company. And so he, he ran out of time to study. He didn't even study. And he was like, well, screw it. Like, I don't want to, I'm just going to go take the test. You know, I've already taken it once. I think I know this material anyways, and went in and um, <laughs> passed the test. Um, so sometimes uh, just doing it once really does help. Um, Jordan, uh, if we go to the next question here, um, I, you know, it's not an easy feat to take these exams while you're working at, a, at, a, at an architecture firm, but many people do it. Um, what are some tips or how did you handle, um, you know, getting your exam, getting through your exams while you, uh, you know, were still working? Yes, I was lucky enough to have somebody else in my office that was also testing at the same time. Oh, nice. So we um, made sure to kind of hook up and have some lunch study sessions and ask some questions to each other because, um, you know, he was already here and when things came up in actual office life, we could kind of, hey, uh, how, how would the ARE handle this? Or, you know, what, how's your understanding of this for testing? So using um, your, your, your work experience to kind of, you know, if the ARE was gonna ask a question about what I'm doing today at work, how would it be? And do I understand, you know, that study material was super helpful. And then also, um, you know, just setting aside a time to study I would take a break after I got off work for an hour or so to have some dinner and then sit down and get to it. I think having a dedicated time to study so you're not saying, ah, oh, I can put this off until tomorrow, and then you never get through the material that you're wanting. That's great, Jordan. Um, Kat, how about you? Um, what were some of the tips or, or approach you took? Definitely. Um, I feel like I hear a lot of candidates uh, rescheduling their exams or saying, I can't test right now because we have big deadlines at work. Right. Yeah, right. Um, I, the way that I kind of dealt with that was when I would schedule my exams, you know, six weeks out or four weeks out, I would let people at my work know. Awesome. Um, yeah. I definitely let folks know, you know, hey, I'm studying for my AREs, I'm taking them. I would always schedule my AREs for a Saturday, either morning or afternoon, so that I wouldn't have to take time off work. Um, and again, you know, scheduling four to six weeks out, that usually I could find um, a Saturday time. But what I would also do, because I was at a really big firm when I was testing, I think we had about 300 folks in my office in Seattle, um, during my lunch, I would just go study in our kitchen or our break room or our lunch room. And I noticed that as people would circulate through, a lot of them would say, oh, you know, what are, what are you reading? What are you doing? And mm -hmm. so kind of by word of mouth, a lot of folks in my office realized that I was pursuing my license and studying for my AREs. And people were very supportive um, in a way that I had not really planned on. Mm -hmm. I remember when I did fail that first exam, I was feeling really embarrassed and everyone at work knew that I had tested. So I kind of had to come in, you know, oh, how'd you do? And I was like, yeah, it didn't go so well. Um, and that was a really interesting turning point for me because all of a sudden there were so many supports around me saying, you know, that's okay. I failed one too, you know, keep, get up, keep going. We want to help you. 
Um, so just by being open and honest about it and honestly standing my ground a little bit sometimes, if it was the week before my exam and on Monday, my project manager would say, hey, you know, we got a big deadline this week. Um, I would sit down with him that day and say, okay, that's great. You know, let's figure out how we can meet this. But also, I have important stuff to do after work this week because I have my exam this weekend. So let's figure out how we can get the most out of my time while I'm here. Yeah, I totally agree with your approach. Uh, actually, both of you, um, I didn't really, I didn't, uh, Jordan, I'm trying to think, I didn't necessarily have an, an ARE study buddy, but you know, at the time I had a, a close friend and and then of course my wife, the three of us, we would just go, go to the library together like three days out of the week, out of the work week. Um, and my wife would like, she's a teacher, so she would grade papers. My buddy would read a book and I would sort of study. So like having some kind of community that you're a part of, super smart. Um, and yeah, I totally agree with you, Kat. Um, I did something very similar. Like I was pretty vocal about pursuing my license and and, and especially, right, like your project manager or, or the boss that you're sort of reporting to, um, letting, basically like letting them in on, on what you're doing. I mean, almost every architect in the profession, you know, supports uh, and understands the idea that getting licensed is going to make you a better architect. And they all kind of get it like, yeah, it might suck, you know, during the short term, maybe they're going to be a little bit more, you know, uh, preoccupied with, you uh, you know, worrying about their exams versus these sets of drawings that need to go out. But um, the best thing you can do is is really communicate with them and try to get them on your side. I, I you know, I'm thinking about at the time my uh, my my project manager, my boss was, uh, um, you know, I was sharing what I was doing with him, and um, yeah, and he he kind of got excited about the fact that I was studying for it, and sometimes he would quiz me on stuff and. You know, sometimes the work that we were doing, you know, um, the you know the drawings we were kind of going through. Sometimes, um, uh, you know, he would call things out and so forth that I was likely studying for. So, so that's um, an interesting point, Mark, that I'd like to kind of follow up on, um, especially for the CE exam because I didn't have a lot of experience with the contracts. I would go around and ask you know, questions that I would repeatedly fail on practice exams and see if there was someone in my office that might be able to give me a more thorough explanation as to, you know, why the answer was A, not B. But I would caution folks to do that only because we are being tested in this in-carb utopian world where everyone uses the standard AIA contracts, um, where everything is done by the book. But at least for bigger firms, that's rarely how they actually operate. So I actually got a little bit confused when I would ask coworkers or project managers like, hey, how would you go through this? Because they wouldn't necessarily do it the in-carb way. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would like to just throw that in there as a caveat, you know, just a lot of people have a lot of experience, but it might not be the same experience in-carb wants us to be uh, studying for. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Uh, that's a great point. And one other one other thought that's going through my head here is, you know, in a way, you know, sometimes you know you might think of having a job as kind of an impediment to you getting licensed. But actually, if you think about, you know, sometimes the structure of, you know, you got to be at work at eight thirty, and you you know you got a lunch hour, and you're supposed to be done at five thirty six, like that structure, that time structure, you can kind of use that to your advantage. You know, I remember, you know, my wife would drop me off at work on her way to work every morning, so. You know, I, there was this, you know, uh, I don't know, this is breakfast place I would go to every morning. I can still, 
I can still remember this, you know, the thing I would get every, every, every morning I would eat over there. Uh, and, um, it became like a ritual. Like I would go there every morning and I would study for 30 minutes and then I would go to, for lunch and then I would go study for 45 minutes, you know, and then afterward I would go to a Starbucks or I'd go to that library and study for an hour and a half. And like those little things, they really do add up. And, um, and I guess if I look back, what I was really doing is I was leveraging the structure that the workday really provides for me and sort of saying, all right, well, I'm just going to work within that structure, um, which uh, uh, it's amazing how much time shakes out of that, uh, that kind of structure. Kat, if, if we keep going to, to question number five here, um, <laughs> this is a funny question uh, because uh, we all know what the answer is, but let's, um, let's ask it. What is the magic moment in your career that you recommend taking your exams? Oh. Um, I think the correct answer here is there is no magic moment, unfortunately, <laughs> but we do have some data that can help us with this. So in carb, they release in carb, uh, by the numbers every year. And I think the most recent one showed that candidates are most likely to pass their exams with about three years of experience under their belt, maybe just under that three year mark. Um, I would generally say when you are testing, the sooner you can do it, the better. Um, with the one, you know, kind of asterisk to that being, it's good to have at least, I would say, a year of experience, just so you kind of know how an office works and how projects move through phases in practice versus, you know, what we all saw in school. Um, but again, because we are being tested in this in-carb utopian world, the sooner you can start test studying and testing for your exams, the less kind of undoing of knowledge you might have to do later on. For example, if you had been working for 15 years and you're used to the specific contracts that your company uses, when you go take the CE exam, you may get a little tripped up because you're being tested on the AIA boilerplate documents, not you know this very specific situation that you've been used to. That makes a ton of sense. Um, Jordan, how about yourself? Uh, yeah, I would say definitely the sooner the better after you um, graduate to begin taking your test. Also because when you're in school, you're in that kind of test taking, studying mode. And the further removed that you get from that, you know, life happens, things happen, you kind of lose your mojo with studying and, and taking tests. And then I also, from my personal experience, I took, um, I, I gap two years between my undergrad and grad school. So I had a little bit more experience um, after my master's degree. And that was, and I still, you know, within that year as after I graduated my master's, feel like I relied a lot on my understanding from my experience in the office. So if you are, you know, getting a good range of experience in your office and you feel comfortable, you know, in the certain categories of the test, I think it's good to start testing the waters by taking exams that you feel comfortable in. Um, and then, you know, definitely also, I asked, you know, my, my boss says, hey, you know, I'm gonna take the CE exam and I don't have a lot of experience. Can we kind of filter that into what I'm working on in the office so I have yeah. not only my studying, but my experience to draw on? Yeah, that's a great one. And um, uh, this question is making me think of, um, uh, something Mike uh, Newman has said many, many times <clears throat> that I've heard him say many times, which is as you move throughout your career, 
your life only gets more complicated and more difficult to take the exams. And so really wherever you are um, in your career, in your life, you know, now's probably going to be the easiest time in your whole life to take these exams versus waiting. Um, and Kat, Kat, you're right. That's exactly what the NCARB numbers do show. Basically, a little bit of experience really does help. Uh, but Jordan, you're totally right. You know, you know, if you do it relatively quickly after school, you're still sort of in study mode. Uh, doesn't feel that weird. Um, and again, the thing I just want to encourage everybody is, you know, I've had a good, <clears throat> a good couple of friends who, you know, they're in firms where, you know, in order for you to actually become a principal and really move up in your career, you need to be licensed. And I had a good friend who, you know, uh, you know, took one exam and uh, it didn't go well, you know, early on in his career and sort of said, eh, whatever, this is, I'm not doing this. This is a pain in my butt. And, uh, you know, 20 years later, <laughs> you know, he wanted that promotion and it didn't work out uh, because he wasn't licensed. And so, you know, at that moment in his life, he had to go through the whole process, which is so much more painful uh, with a full, you know, workload and responsibilities and family and all that other kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's why this is sort of a trick question. The answer is now, <laughs> I think, uh, is the best time to start taking the exams. Um, so appreciate both of your thoughts there, Jordan. Um, we'll talk about the magic, uh, not magic, the heaviest question of the whole bunch here number six here um you fail the exam which by the way if you look at the pass rates <laughs> i think two of the exams the pass rates are under 50 percent uh most of them are around that sort of 60 percent range i want to say maybe 50 60 percent range so that means pretty much everybody's failing one of these exams um so uh, as a normal course of action what are some uh suggestions or some things that worked for you um, you know, when you were tripped up and, and didn't get the result you're looking for? Yeah, the first thing I definitely recommend um, is, you know, you see the, the likely fail on, on the screen when you're finished taking the exam is, you know, take some time when you're done to, you know, take a deep breath. You know, you can take it again. It's not the end of the world. But then um, do a brain dump. Uh, you know, okay, you've seen the exams, you've seen the questions, and you know what tripped you up now. So take the time, you know, get out a piece of paper and take some notes of, man, I got a lot of questions in this and didn't feel very confident in that. So that way, you know, you take some time to, as Kat said, to grieve. And then when you start studying, you know where your weaknesses were. So when you take the exam again, you know, you have a better shot because you've seen it once before. And I also think, go ahead and make sure if you haven't already, schedule your next test. Do not let a fail and an exam kind of put the brakes on. You, you're in the mode, you're in the testing, you know that you have the opportunity to take it again. Just, just keep going. It's just a hiccup in the road and you know, you're better prepared next time to take, take the retake and you're definitely you know, prepared to take another exam. Yeah, that's great advice there, Jordan. Kat, how about yourself? Uh, what are some thoughts about what to do after you fail an exam? Oh boy, Mark, I am an expert in failing my AREs. <laughs> um, I, I failed three out of my six. So that's half the exams the first time I took them. Um, and like Jordan said, it, it hurts your heart when you see the provisional feedback and it says you likely failed the exam. 
Um, I typically recommend, especially if you're testing at the Prometric Center, um, that's how I learned how to drive a car while crying. Um, so if, <laughs> if you oh, drove yourself, you know, know yourself, if that's going to be an issue, maybe just say, you know what, I'm not going to view that provisional feedback until a couple days later. Um, but, you know, like, like Jordan said, doing the brain dump is incredibly helpful. Um, always good to keep like a notebook in your car, uh, you know, just for that sort of thing. But what I would typically do when I would fail an exam is I would take a full week off from studying. I would give my brain a break. I wouldn't think about it. I would, you know, have a couple days where I was really down on myself. Um, but again, once I kind of started sharing that failure with my coworkers, I was really surprised by how supportive they were. Um, I had a couple friends throughout the states that were testing at the same time, and we'd call each other after exams, and they were passing, and I was failing, and God, it just, it hurt. But again, you know, they were really supportive too, being like, yeah, these are hard tests. Um, and to kind of speak on what makes them difficult, I really don't think it's the content. If you have gone through undergraduate architecture school or a graduate architecture program, like 90% of this is not brand new information. There were a couple things that I did see that I was like, oh, I wouldn't have known that. Um, but a lot of failing an exam is your testing strategy itself. These are really weird standardized exams. I had never taken one like it before in my life. So, you know, like Mark said, the pass rate for a lot of these exams is right around that 50% mark. And I do not think it's because, you know, they're so incredibly difficult. I think it's mostly the exam structure just being weird. So, you know, when you, if, when you do fail an exam, try to remember this is not a measure of your worth. This is not a measure of how good of an architect you'll be or how great of a designer you are. Right. This is INCARB wanting to ensure we can protect the health, safety, and welfare of the public. Um, you know, it's just a very baseline. We kind of like doctors, you know, we want to make sure you're not harming people, not intentionally, but, you know, accidentally. Um, so, you know, really try not to take it personally. These are hard exams. If you fail, you are part of a very large club of people um, that will offer you nothing but support. That's great, Kat. And you know, what's uh, going through my mind is, um, so when I took these exams again, 2004 and five, uh, there was no provisional, it was a computer test, but there was no sort of provisional information. And so um, you would leave the testing center having no idea how you did, and then maybe three or four, five, six days later, you would get a letter in the mail. And so because of that, um, you would I would take the test. And like you say, I would maybe take a day and sort of like shake it off and then get straight back into the into studying because I wasn't going to find out for, you know, basically a, a week anyways. And then, yeah, I mean, when the letter comes and it said fail, you know, that's a nice punch in the mouth. Um, <laughs> but at that point, I was already in the middle of studying, right? So there wasn't, for me, it wasn't like, well, there wasn't a lot of time to really kind of like spend thinking about that failed exam. I was like, well, that sucks. I'm on, I'm already working on the next one. So uh, I guess I'll just keep going. So um, definitely, I really, I really, I didn't know you could sort of choose to review the feedback or not choose or to, you know, to, to not, not view it. Um, so that's an interesting thought, you know, uh, maybe if uh, maybe don't, <laughs> maybe wait till you get home, maybe, maybe give it a couple of days and then look. Um, although 
if I'm honest with you all, I'm not sure if I could, if I could wait. <laughs> yeah, there is uh, something to be said for kind of, you know, knowing yourself before you choose right. whether or not to review that provisional feedback. Another thing that I do want to point out, because I feel like it's probably not talked about enough, is I, I deal with depression and anxiety. And so receiving those fails could be really devastating. Uh, so what I yeah. learned was a really great way to um, kind of unwind after the exam, pass or fail before I would take that exam, I would schedule what I was going to do later that day or later that evening. And it was usually watch a movie or hang out with a really close friend or, you know, FaceTime with a really close friend, something that was going to be comfortable and supportive for me afterward, regardless of how I did on the exam. 100% yeah, that... agree with that, Kat. I definitely made sure, you know, I liked morning exams. That was just how I took them. But I always knew that I would go out and treat myself to lunch, uh, indifferent of what my feedback said. So keep on moving. That is awesome. Um, and you know what's funny? <clears throat> um, uh, Josh Mings, who's been one of our uh, collaborators over the years, he used to share with us that after he took one of his exams, he would go to the Lego store and buy like, a, you know, some killer Lego set and take it home. And that was like his... Uh, his way to celebrate. So uh, and same awesome. thing. he didn't know if he passed or failed. He would just, no matter what, like he's, like you say, he already sort of had figured out what he wanted, which one he was going to buy and he would go afterward and get it and, um, you know, enjoy, uh, you know, I guess putting it together. So, um, uh, so th these are great things uh, to think about uh, because, you know, if nothing else, you know, you're putting, you're investing a ton of time in trying to learn, you know, um, like you're saying, Kat, you know, sort of the, um, the standard uh, official ways to practice architecture and even if you don't you know pass on the this iteration you still invested a lot of time in learning those things so celebrate uh, your effort um, and uh, it also helps keep your spirits up even if you kind of do get that gut punch um, you know at least you kind of uh, try to tend to your personal well-being by celebrating a little bit all right, so then, uh, Kat, let's stay with you as we go to question seven here. Uh, as you all uh, likely know, uh, NCARB has um, made the uh, exams available online now, uh, which is an interesting and you know quite useful approach for many, many people. Uh, Kat, what kind of advice would you give to people who are considering taking, it, taking the exams online at home? Absolutely. Um, the best advice I could give anyone doing that is schedule a test run. Um, so this is a service that NCARB offers for free. I think it's a 30 minute window where you will set up your environment like you're going to be taking the exam and a proctor will come on and they will check all of your systems. They will check to make sure your webcam is good. They will check to see the environment you're testing and whether or not that meets their criteria. And possibly the most important reason for doing this, and I only found this out recently, is a lot of computers and even some internet providers, if your camera is constant, your webcam is constantly on and someone is remoting into it to see you, some computers and internet providers view that as your computer being hacked and that they will, you know, shut down your computer at a certain point or turn that off or throw up a firewall to help prevent what's happening, even though that's what you're doing intentionally. Um, so if you schedule this test run, 
the proctor will check for all of that. They will check the back end to see if that's going to happen. Um, I've talked to a few people recently that, you know, two thirds of the way through their online exam, that's exactly what happened. A firewall went up, they lost connection, and therefore they were not able to finish their exams. So please, please, please schedule that test run. Um, there's a button now on your NCARB account. When you go to schedule an exam, it's under your exams tab. It's right at the top and it says uh, schedule a test run. Um, definitely do that. I really think that that's your best chance at not running into technical difficulties on the exam itself. Yeah, I feel like I've heard in January, February, March of 2021 here, a uh, good number of kind of technical issues. And it sounds like a lot of them have been really resolved with this um, this free test run um, mm -hmm. to you know make sure that you're in, the, the room that you're in qualifies your internet is fast enough your computer is acceptable your uh, the webcam that you have is is meets the requirements um, it really does introduce a good number of um, you know uh, things that we might be a little annoyed by like really my internet works fine all day long why do I need to run a test um, what a great uh, example there cat for why. Um, why you might need to run a test. So uh, definitely um, double double thumbs up for using the free test run. Jordan, how about you? Uh, what advice uh, do you might uh, maybe have for folks who are taking the online version of the exam? Um, I think a great thing with taking the exam online is that you're kind of in your own space and you're comfortable. So utilize um, the space that you plan on taking the exam in online as your study space. That way, when you go in there, you're getting in that mindset of, hey, I'm taking the test, especially if you're going to take a practice exam. Treat it like a real exam. You know, it's going to be in that room, online, on that computer. So it's kind of like a, a freebie, you know, run through of an actual testing scenario. Then you can be more comfortable and notice, you know, hey, the lighting is not too great, let me switch this up. Or, you know, I need to get a more comfortable chair. You, you have the opportunity where when you're in a weird test center, you don't have. So taking your exam online has the benefit of, you know, being in your own space. And then I also think um, because of the switch um, away from the scratch paper, practice without your scratch paper. Practice taking notes on the whiteboard, practice taking the practice tests with the whiteboard, because you don't want to be learning in a scenario that is not gonna reflect what your test day is gonna be like. So, you know, get yourself in the mindset and, and take some practice exams as if they were real exams, especially because you have the benefit of, you'll, you know, when you do schedule a test, that's the space you'll be in, that's the kind of mindset you'll be in. And I think it's, it's beneficial for sure. You know, I'd agree with that, Jordan, um, and I wanted to bring up one other thing that I wish that I had known before I started testing, because I know you have to do this at home as well if you're going to test online. I have, for as long as I can remember, I wear a ring on one of my fingers, and it's not a wedding ring, um, and I always had to take that off when I would test, because you're only allowed to keep, you know, a ring on if it is a, a wedding ring. Um, wow. And so that really threw me off because it felt like something was missing from one of my hands. Um, so that's a really good point, Jordan, to, you know, really prepare. So if you're like me, if you always wear a piece of jewelry, you know, get comfortable not wearing that because the Prometric Center or the Proctor may require you to take it off. 
It's making me think uh, about the Lord of the Rings. Like, what are they thinking that, like, you have a ring that talks to you or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that people have just gotten really creative in the ways that they uh, <laughs> sneak notes in, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, if, uh, again, really good feedback here. I love the idea of studying the same space where you will test. That's a really good one. Of course, I have to give a shameless plug for Black Spectacles. Our practice exams do have the whiteboard. Um, we actually um, uh, use the exact same whiteboard software that um, NCARB uses. Um, and so uh, anyways, uh, if you if you want to practice with the real whiteboard, um, I know that NCARB has uh, some practice available as well. Of course, we do as well. So. Uh, end of shameless plug there. Um, I guess maybe to bring this to a conclusion, Kat or Jordan, whoever wants to maybe sort of start here. Um, in general, you know, you're, we're talking here about test taking strategies. We're talking about, you know, kind of the right cadence about taking the exams online. Uh, you got a lot of people who are listening to us right now who are thinking about taking these exams. Probably a lot um, of people who um, are thinking about taking the exams for the first time. I think this topic is super relevant to people who haven't quite taken a test yet. So what's your, you know, maybe high level advice? And, and Jordan, why don't I start with you? High level advice uh, for folks who are thinking about taking the exams. I uh, would definitely say schedule an exam. Um, it's hard to kind of get the motivation to study and kind of take that leap forward. And for me, if I had something uh, on the horizon that I was reaching towards for the goal, that kind of gets you started. So, you know, jump feet first in, schedule your test when you feel comfortable scheduling it, and then start studying. You know, like we've mentioned before, you know, these are not the rates for exams. You may fail an exam, but just, just keep going. I think, you know, the first step is is getting one under your belt, pass or fail, and getting that you know scheduled on the horizon is is good to to motivate you to start studying. That's great, Jordan. Thank you, uh, Kat. How about you? Yeah, you know, I I would definitely agree with that. I remember when I was first looking at taking my exams, it felt like I was standing at the base of a very tall mountain, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be so difficult and grueling. Um, but when I actually started studying and testing, I was kind of like, this is not as bad as a lot of people on the online forums make it out to be. Um, so believe me, I, I empathize with everyone who's like, oh, this is going to be so difficult and I'm so anxious about it. Um, but like Jordan said, you know, just, just start, just get in. That's really the best way to find out that, you know, you do know a lot of this information. Anyone who has been through an architecture program does, I promise. Um, it's definitely not as scary once you start. I think starting is the hardest part. So like Jordan said, you know, just schedule an exam, schedule it for six weeks out um, and really just force yourself to get into it. That's awesome. Uh, well, thank you, Kat. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate both of you sharing your uh, experiences uh, with us. Uh, I know incredibly valuable. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, as I mentioned, uh, at our next ARE Live broadcast on July 22nd, we are going to review some of the uh, concepts and do a mock exam for programming and analysis with Mike Newman. So that's going to be a really good one. Um, you'll get to, you know, kind of practice uh, answering those questions, and then we'll go through them uh, during the session with Mike. Uh, we just posted a link in the chat box, so you can uh, use that or go to blackspectacles.com slash ARE-live to sign up for that. 
As I mentioned at the top of the webinar, we've launched our ARE guarantee. We're confident that if you use our expert membership to the fullest, which has all the um, study tools that we have, uh, that you will pass the ARE. And if you don't pass, we'll pay for your retake. So if you want to learn more how, about how to qualify for the guarantee, you can go to blackspectacles.com and under the ARE prep heading, you'll find a section on the guarantee with all the details there. Cause there's a number of things that you're going to need to sort of do um, to make sure that uh, you qualify for that. So that link we just shared as well. And I mentioned that if you want to get your firm, your whole firm on a membership and have your boss pay for it, same thing, go to blackspectacles.com, go to pricing section um, and you can learn, uh, you can request more information and meet with uh, our colleagues, uh, AJ and Heather, um, to understand how that might work for your firm. The lucky winner of our Black Spectacles t-shirt, which is someone who posted in our ARE community, is Francisco F. So Francisco, we will reach out to you via email to get your size and shipping information. Thank you for, uh, for posting in our ARE community. Um, um, you know, the thing I want to mention, although we're, you know, sort of using our community as a great way, uh, well, trying to create some awareness for our community by, um, you know, connecting that with this free t-shirt. The thing I want you all to know, though, is it's not just for that. Um, we've developed our ARE community as a place where you can go to get questions answered uh, when you're stuck on something or you're wondering about something or something doesn't make sense to you. Go there. We have experts who log in there regularly, answer questions. It's also a great place to find inspiration, um, especially kind of when you, you know, get kicked in the teeth uh, with maybe a past result or you're just frustrated and down about studying. Great place to find inspiration of people who've done it um, before you. Um, so again, that's my, uh, um, my double call out for our ARE community. Um, if you're planning on using the summer month to study for the ARE, we're offering a 15% discount on our expert memberships uh, to give you the opportunity to get licensed this year. So you can use the code you see right here, A-R-E-L-I-V-E-J-U-N-E-1-5 to get 15% off any of our expert memberships. And that's the one that comes with a guarantee. Um, so you, um, so that's a uh, could be a really great one for you. Um, let's see, that coupon expires uh, when our next episode airs, which is on July 22nd. So if you're ready to start studying, head over to blackspectacles.com to sign up and use that coupon code. And then finally, 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 to be, please be sure to stick around uh, for a couple of minutes to take our survey after I'm done here uh, and share any, any suggestions that you might have. Um, if there's an idea you have for an ARE Live or some people you wanna hear from or a topic you wanna hear about um, that you wish we would cover, um, please share it in that survey. Um, I promise we read every word that you all write and use those to tune our next episodes. Thanks for watching.